Toby Keith, a popular country singer, died Monday night after a battle with stomach cancer. Kate Middleton is recovering from abdominal surgery. So what do we need to know about that area of our bodies? Dr. Ravi Johar, Chief Medical Officer with United Healthcare, is here with some advice. Thanks for joining us once again. Oh, my pleasure to be with you guys today. Hope everything's going well. It is. I mean, when the sun is finally shining, we are happy here. But let's jump in. And, and it's Super Bowl week. I, Everyone's right? happy on that week. So true. How common is stomach cancer? Well, for most of the early 20th century, stomach cancer was actually the most common cause of death in the United States. Oh. It's now way down on the list. It's about uh, the fifth most common cancer in the United States now. Only about 1.5% of uh, new cancers in the U.S. are are stomach cancers. That's around 27,000 cases a year. And Um, is that because... 11,000 of those, um, there's about 11,000 deaths from stomach cancer a year. Is that because we know better and we do better? Is it because other cancers have, you know, taken a leapfrog jump and they're just more popular? Why is that? Well, I think we're seeing more of other cancers, but the great thing about stomach cancer is that its rate has been decreasing about 1.5% a year over the last 10 years. So that's brought it way down. Um, So I think that's been one of the things that's really made a big difference is uh, the decrease in stomach cancers. What are the risks when it comes to stomach cancers? What, What should we be doing differently to kind of minimize our risk? Sure. There's a couple things. Number one, the the leading cause of stomach cancer is something called H. pylori bacteria. It's a bacteria that uh, occurs in the stomach and can actually lead to stomach ulcers. It's the biggest thing that causes that. Um, We've got great new treatments for it, so antibiotics, and that's probably been the single biggest decrease in why uh, stomach cancers got down. The other thing is that in the the early 20th century, all the foods were heavily uh, salted and cured and processed. Um, and smoked. And so that is also one of the other really big factors that goes into that. It's uh, eating a lot of smoked and processed foods. Now, I know that Josh was talking about loving his candied bacon. Um, I don't know if the candying part of it helps with that, but if he ate that every day, he would be at risk for things. Yeah, well, Those are a couple of the biggest things. Let's bring that up because, you know, you are what you eat, but uh, is that that medically true, Dr. Johar? Um. I'm not sure how you mean that. Does, does, you does eat, oh. t- whatever we eat, is that what affects our stomach cancer? Is that really uh, what's going on there if we have abdominal issues? The whole stomach section just kind of seems like it, it has to play with our food. But is that true? Well, we do know that processed foods, smoked foods, and, and salted, really salty foods have had a dramatic effect on stomach cancer. So that part is definitely true. But there's other things, you know, cooking and storing your foods properly to avoid getting some of these bacteria makes a big part of it too. Uh, being physically active helps decrease things. Avoiding uh, tobacco, that's another leading cause of stomach cancer. So you have to avoid that. And uh, alcohol abuse also factors into that. So those are some things that, that definitely are part of it. So quitting smoking, um, eating a healthier diet, a lot more vegetables and fruits, uh, makes a difference. Uh, also, there's some genetic things going there. We know that men get stomach cancer about 60% uh, more than women, so oh. a 60-40 split between uh, men and women. And we know that in the world, uh, the Asian men are probably the highest risk for uh, stomach cancer. Hmm. White women are probably the least. 
Wow. What are the symptoms? What do we look for? That's what's really kind of uh, a little scary with stuff because the symptoms are, are very, very common things. Um, stomach cancer, uh, things like heartburn, indigestion, uh, changes in appetite, nausea and vomiting, uh, getting full after eating just a very small amount of food. Um, those are the things that really kind of go along with that. Then, you know, as it gets a little bit more, you can have things like unintentional weight loss, um, low uh, blood blood counts, uh, anemia because you start to have uh, bleeding in the GI tract. Uh, so things of that sort uh, are a little bit later along. But the first symptoms are, are very, very common. And I think that's one of the reasons that stomach cancer is usually not caught until it's uh, quite an advanced stage, like unfortunately happened with uh, you mentioned processed meats, and I know within the last couple of years, that's been a big one that we've seen on the news. And my understanding of it is things like hot dogs and salami and pepperoni, things that aren't you know necessarily naturally occurring. But what technically is a processed meat, and how bad is it really for us? That's something that's been reconstituted, or like I said, hot dogs are a prime example of it. Is, is one that, you know, you don't know what other additives are in there, what all is mixed together, things of that sort. I think, I think you need to be really careful. It's, it's something that's been taken and then has been worked in some way, manipulated. Uh, that sounds almost negative, but it's not. That, that you've done something with that. It's not like you've just taken a piece of steak yeah. or something of that sort. And is it something where I probably don't want to eat hot dogs every day, but am I supposed to be avoiding them uh, completely, a salami, a salami any, sandwich. That you, I think if you ate that every day, then we'd have a concern. But if you ate it every now and then, you have a a very uh, balanced diet. I don't think you have to worry about eating hot dogs every now and then, or salami sandwiches, or candied bacon. I don't think that's an issue. But if it's something that you eat every single day, then you need to be a little bit more aware of your symptoms and and any problems that you might develop. See, Heidi, the doctor just said candied bacon. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Johar, somebody on our text line from the 618 said they keep hearing advertisements for asking your doctor about EPI. What is EPI? Do you know? EPI? Is it a medication? trying to think of what EPI could be. Yeah, I didn't know either. So, okay, while you think about that one, as for the princess, Kate Middleton, why does someone have abdominal surgery? I mean, I'm sure there are a plethora of reasons, but what are three of the most common? And it's tough to say because you really don't know what they mean when they talk about abdominal surgery. That can really be anything between your neck and your pelvic bone. Um, it could be something as simple as a, uh, a hernia in the abdominal wall. It could be that there's something with the bowels and needed some kind of bowel resection. It could be something in the muscles. It could be something in the GI tract, or it could be something that's outside the stomach and GI tract altogether and is um, something else that's, that's in the abdomen. Um, yeah. So it's really tough to speculate. Um, you know, I think everyone was given a little pause when, they announced ahead of time that she was going to be in the hospital for two weeks for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't know how much of that is because she's, you know, the future queen of England. And they just said, hey, we want to have you stay in the hospital until you're really ready to go up and down those, you know, bazillion stairs they have in Buckingham Palace. <laughs> Good point. Or, you know, instead of the um, – in, in the U.S. where it's more, you know, heal at home and be in your own house, um, 
they may have just said, you know, we're going to keep you here for a couple of weeks until you're really fully recovered. Let Whatever you rest and they took out. not be a mom chasing kids. At what point do we become concerned? I mean, I'm thinking right now we have colonoscopies, we have mammograms, but is there anything that we can do just as a normal kind of stomach check? Well, unfortunately, um, with the uh, with this, uh, there's no screening test for stomach cancer. You have to go on the basis of your symptoms. And when you start to feel like, hey, something just feels off, or you know, you have that heartburn that just doesn't go away when you take some some antacids or a you know proton pump inhibitor or something of that sort, then um, then you have to be going in and getting tested. And, and the common test that we'll do to look for stomach cancers and issues like that is something called an upper endoscopy. Uh, and that's where they take a small tube and pass it down through your throat and take a look at your stomach and an upper intestine uh, with that camera. And that really lets you look to see what could be going on and taking a biopsy to see if there is any H. pylori infections or things of that sort. So there's no screening test. The best thing we can do to prevent stomach cancer is, um, is having a good diet, uh, exercising, the, the standard things that we try to do in general, and then being aware of your symptoms and if you have problems. Yeah, yeah. And I did look up EPI. That's um, that's an endocrine uh, insufficiency, and that's usually caused by uh, – that can cause slow emptying of the stomach uh, of the food. So the undigested food is just kind of sitting in your stomach, and that's leading to an area that people are researching because there's a question of um, – that's that's how some of the medications like Ozempic and things like that work. Is they delay the emptying of the stomach. Could this be causing problems down the road? Got so that's yeah. something that researchers are going to be watching carefully. What does our pancreas do? The pancreas, well, the biggest thing the pancreas does is it releases um, uh, medications like insulin is the most common one. But the pancreas also release, releases other medications that help motility of the food to get through. Got it. And we are running out of time, but somebody else texted in and said, I had a good friend who was from China. Uh, he ate a lot of smoked meats. Both he and his wife died of stomach cancer. And uh, this might be a topic for next time or a future show, but we've talked about sickle cell being uh, much more prevalent in the African-American communities. Are we all the same inside or are we kind of built differently depending on where we're from? And maybe uh, Asian cultures just eat a lot more smoked meats than we do. But, you know, doctor, how, how would you explain that Asians have uh, more prevalency of stomach cancer than not? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the biggest thing is culture. What, what do we eat? What are lifestyles and things of that sort? Um, I think the base, and then you also look at some kind of hereditary things. If there's a uh, genetic trait in your family, then it's going to be more common. Um, so in that, in your particular family, so that can make a difference also. But for the most part, you know, it's a great philosophical question. But for the most part, it is it is more. Uh, it's not that we're different. It's the culture and what we're mm-hmm. exposed to. What we do, for example, you see someone who emigrates. They will start uh, from Japan or, or the southeast where they had very low problems with osteoporosis and things. But when they came to the United States, they had all the problems with uh, menopausal symptoms and osteoporosis and things that they weren't getting in their country when they were there. 
So I think it's much more the, the culture of, of what we do in uh, society versus something intrinsic within the body itself. Very yeah. interesting. Dr. Robbie Johar, always great chatting with you. Thank you so much. My pleasure.